Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Our Bible reading this morning is from Luke chapter 1, from verse 57 to 80. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the, land, and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Um, as you heard, my name is Paul. Um, I'm a self-supporting minister, associate minister here. Um, Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for the blessings we've already received this morning. Pray that you would speak to us from your word. Keep me out of your way, because we only want to hear from you. Amen. So, as Eve said, we're beginning a series um, on the songs that would have been part of Mary's life as she awaits and celebrates the arrival of Jesus. And the first one is the, the prophecy, the song there from Zechariah. Now, for those of a certain age and spiritual persuasion, uh, I am both, um, this reading will be familiar to you as the Benedictus from the morning service of the Book of Common Prayer. 
And it's the culmination of a life-changing experience lasting almost a year for Zechariah because he was a priest serving in the temple in Jerusalem. It's a song of exultation, of rejoicing, as we were singing earlier. And while Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit, he rejoices and celebrates the coming salvation of Israel. And then the song turns, it makes a turn, because having celebrated the salvation of Israel, he then speaks to his son, John. Because his son will be instrumental in announcing the arrival of the Saviour. Now this event for Zechariah and Elizabeth has come as a surprise? No. A world-changing shock, let's be fair. And I found myself asking, are we prepared for God to invade our lives with a shock, with a surprise? This Christmas, are we prepared for that to happen? Now, we're going to look very briefly at the song itself, uh, which is in two halves. Um, but then we're going to look at the backstory, because without the backstory, it's quite hard to get where Zechariah is coming from. So, verse 67, 68, we're told that in the power of the Holy Spirit, he praises God, because salvation has come to the people. He goes on, he has raised a horn of salvation from the house of David. Now notice he's not talking about John here. Zechariah wasn't from the house of David. He's talking about Jesus. He says, God has spoken through his prophets long ago. Now, did you know there are over 400 prophet, prophetic utterances about the Messiah in the Old Testament? 400. And these prophesy the coming of the Messiah. And I don't know if you remember, but right at the end of Luke's gospel, you remember when Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus with, with the very dejected disciples who think it's all gone wrong? We're told he recounts these as they walk along the road. And Zechariah reminds his hearers, verse 71, that salvation and God's mercy is a promise. He promises salvation for the Israel of the Bible, from their enemies and from those who hate them. He reminds them of the promise of Abraham made to him. And I love the parallel here between Abraham and Sarah, who initially were childless and then have Isaac, and of course Zechariah and Elizabeth, who are childless and have John. That story of Abraham's in Genesis 17. Now again, he speaks of the rescue of Israel from their enemies. And we need to be clear, this is biblical Israel we're talking about. Because their history had been completely bound up in disaster. Slavery in Egypt. Exile in Babylon. And now, 
the all-pervading, brutal power of Rome, and were still supported by Herod, allegedly one of their own. That history is recalled here as he asks God to remember the covenant. The aim, he says, verse 74, is to serve God without fear and in holiness and righteousness of life. And this is what he and Elizabeth have spent their lives doing. And he is rejoicing at this birth. And now he switches tack. Verse 76. Now he's addressing John. He calls him prophet of the Most High. Going before him to prepare the way. Now it's quite clear. John is not the Messiah. He announces the arrival of the Messiah. Now this is important because for the most part, the people of Israel at this time were expecting a Messiah who basically kick out the Romans. That was the expectation. They were expecting a conquering king who would do this by war. They were not expecting the Prince of Peace. Verse 77, he says, John will give the people a knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Now, part of the darkness of Israel that he's talking about was the complicity of the religious hierarchy, the elite, the complicity with the pagan authorities. They had allowed their values, biblical values, God's values, to be diluted, to be corrupted. They had sinned despite the repeated prophetic call to turn away from it. You read through two books of Kings, two books of Chronicles. One of the things that will strike you is that almost exclusively we get to a new king of either Israel or Judah. Go and read it. Because the first line frequently is, and they sinned against God. This was part of Israel's history. And what Zechariah wants to say here is we cannot experience the joy of salvation without repentance and forgiveness. The problem was that most of the religious elite didn't think they were sinning. Their slavish adherence to every aspect of the law, every minutiae, was considered by them to be honouring God. This, of course, so boldly called out by John and latterly Jesus. And it caused me to reflect on my own Christian walk, and I invite you to do the same. Are there aspects of our lives, of our Christian lives, where we have become legalistic, prescriptive, pedantic, perhaps lacking in mercy and grace, It's worth reflecting. Because we too, every day, need to come to Jesus for his forgiveness and mercy. So the last two verses here, 78 and 79, 
clear assertion from Zechariah. The people are in darkness. He and Elizabeth, and indeed some others, were living holy and righteous lives. But it wasn't the norm. The metaphor he uses here reflects Psalm 23. Salvation from the shadow of death and guidance into peace. And of course we know that in his ministry, John was to be pretty forthright in expressing his opinion about the righteousness of the religious elite. Two chapters later, he says this in Luke 3, 7. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? I love the way John kind of sits on the fence with his stuff. So why is Zacharias so completely overwhelmed? Well, as I said, there's a backstory to this. And it's hard to understand the song without the backstory. Now, one of the things that irritates me with, we watch kind of crime and television programs from time to time, and you'll get a scene, and then suddenly it'll flash up three weeks earlier, two years earlier, five centuries earlier. It, it does my head in. And therefore, I apologize for the fact that I'm now about to say, 10 months earlier, <clears throat> And here's the backstory. And it's an important backstory because Luke goes to great lengths to spell this out for us. And nothing in Scripture is wasted. None of it's there by accident. It's deliberate. So, verse 5. Zechariah is a priest in the order of Abijah. Now, there were 24 groups of priests consisting of anywhere between four and nine families. And his was the eighth. His wife, Elizabeth also of priestly lineage. She was renowned for her holiness of life. In fact, one of the things they would say about holy and wonderful women at the time was, she really should marry a priest. That's what they said to Andrea. <laughs> so she had great heritage. Couldn't be better. She lived a blameless, holy, faithful life in the sight of God. But... And it's a huge but. They were childless. And at the time, this was seen as a curse, almost. And for Elizabeth, it's a double hit. Because we're told she was barren, she was unable to have children, but we're also told now she's just too old. And the final blow... The prayer of any Levitical and priestly family was that they may be the parents of the coming Messiah. And that's never going to happen. So, Zechariah's division is on duty, and he is chosen to burn the incense. You see this, this, this instruction comes from Exodus 30. Now, there are about 18,000 priests at this point. A few more than the Church of England. And he is chosen, and this is his one time, his one opportunity to burn the incense in the temple for the prayer of salvation. Once in a lifetime. Best day ever 
This is it, the one thing he's aiming for. Now, what would you consider your best day ever? Might be when you got married, might be your first child, might be when you came to faith, might be your baptism, we've seen today, might be when Leeds United were promoted. <laughs> I make no judgment. Anyway, Zechariah's doing his thing. The incense is being burned, and the way it works is he burns the incense, this goes up, the crowds outside the temple are praying, and they will fall silent as, the, silent as this happens because it's the prayer going to God. And as this happens, an angel appears at the right-hand side of the altar. This is the, the part of the altar that is the honoured part of the altar. And we're told Zechariah is gripped with fear. Angel says to Zechariah, don't be afraid, your prayer is answered. You will have a son. What? And he will bring joy to you and to many others. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Now, the Old Testament position is that people are anointed with the Spirit from time to time for a particular task. But the idea of being filled from birth for your life is not something that is central to Old Testament theology. The angel says he will call Israel back to righteousness. He's looking at the heritage here of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, the prophet Zechariah. And Zechariah says, I am an old man, and my wife, I love the NIV translation, is well on in years, and basically, what? This is not an am. And if you look carefully, this is the point, actually, when Gabriel tells him who he is. And he says, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And I've come to tell you this. And because he doesn't believe him, he's struck dumb. Now, bear in mind, crowd are outside praying, incense is gone, they're waiting for Zechariah to come out and to give them the priestly blessing. One from number 624. Zechariah comes out and clearly something's wrong because he can't say, he can't speak. We know from later on, verse 39, that he lives outside of Jerusalem, so he goes home. Now, I still do some consultancy from time to time, so I'll, I'll often be sort of out for a day. And when I come home, Andrea will say to me, what sort of a day have you had, love? Right, put yourself in Elizabeth's position. She knows it's been his red-letter day doing the incense. He walks in, he can't speak. What sort of a day have you had? <laughs> Gets a tablet. Well, incense burning went fine. But while I'm doing it, an angel rocks up. Oh, and by the way, love, you're going to get pregnant. <laughs> Awkward. But you know what I love? Verse 25. Elizabeth doesn't doubt. See, Zechariah, not sure about this, she's straight in. 
She simply expresses her joy that the Lord has taken away her disgrace. And she receives that blessing immediately. That's fantastic. And so, she gives birth. Everybody's happy. And now the controversy starts. What are we going to call him? Surely we're going to call him Zechariah. Because if you're part of a priestly family, that's what you do. So they ask Elizabeth, he's going to be called John. Family, really? And they ask Zechariah. And he writes on his tablet, bear in mind, still can't speak. His name is John. And now at this point, he can speak. Now we know why he's so excited and sings this song and this prophecy. Word spreads, we're told, throughout the whole community. And we reach Zechariah's song of joy. He and Elizabeth are the parents of the herald of the Messiah. They've been transported by God to a whole new level of engagement with him. Their son, you know, we all want the best for our kids, but their son will be the one who points to Jesus. So let me end. Let's be fair, this was more than a surprise for Zechariah and Elizabeth. It was a shock. It stunned them. This experience of the power of God rocked their world. And so a question as we end. Are we prepared to be shocked? Are we prepared to be surprised by God? Are we prepared for God to come to us and ask us to step outside the comfort zone, step outside what we're used to, step outside our experience? Are we prepared to repent and seek God in a new way that allows him to do new things, take us to a new level? Will this be the Christmas where we take the opportunity to rejoice, as Zechariah did, but also take the opportunity, as did John, to point people to Jesus. And let's face it, it's never been clearer right now than we truly need to know the Saviour of the world. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we ask you that you prepare our hearts, that you speak to our hearts and that you draw us to yourself and leave us open to whatever you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk